What's that? Amen. What have we been talking about since January? What's that? Be, well, I mean, specifically on the men and women. What have we been talking about? Being a father. Anything else? Should I tell you? I'll tell you. Okay. Our purpose was to discover God's original plan and purpose for true manhood. We said we wanted to challenge you as men of God to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders that you were destined to be. We gave you the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's all about growing up. We as men, we need to be men of God, strong men of God, led by the Spirit of God. And we said our, our central truth, this is what, in a nutshell, what we're talking about. God is a generational God. And often the purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed or by others into whom he has imparted vision. Let me say that once more. <clears throat> God is a generational God, and often the purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed or by others into, into whom he has imparted vision. So we need to understand <clears throat> the fact that as fathers, we might not fulfill the, the vision God's put in our heart. We might not even, you know, fulfill our plan and purpose that God had, has instituted for you and I, but there's always our sons. There's always our daughters. And God expects us to impart to the next generation vision, God's plans, and God's purposes. And... Uh, <coughs> I think about my dad, and as I've been doing this, this whole series, I think a lot about my father. Most of you are aware of uh, the fact that he passed away in 1978 at the age of 62. I woke up, and my father was dead in bed. I'd been out the night before party, and I was hungover. And uh, it was a shocker for me. And I was, you know, like 20, 19, 20 years old. And I was a confused young man. And uh, thankfully, I was raised by good parents. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but um, I didn't know what I was called to do. I didn't have no, you know, what plan and purpose. I didn't know anything about the, the fact that God had something for me to do. And that's what we need to realize as men of God. God has something for you and I to do. Now, we, we don't all need to be ministers. Amen? Not everybody's called to be a pastor. That's the last thing I remember going back to a class reunion. I haven't been back since. And it was in 1995, and people were asking me, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And they just shook their head and couldn't believe it. I wasn't very pastoral back in the 70s. But thank God I found his plan and I found his purpose. 
And my dad, in his own way, you know, instilled into me some, some character, morals, and some, some values that helped me later on in life. But I want you to see and understand the fact that you as a father, you as a grandfather, have a responsibility to put something into your kids and grandkids. And you might not have been raised by a father that nurtured you or taught you. Many of you were raised in very dysfunctional homes. And, you know, sometimes that's our badge. We think that's great. We, that's our excuse for everything. We were raised in a dysfunctional home. Everyone here was raised in a dysfunctional home. Everyone, you could find something dysfunctional about your family. Amen? And uh, so I want you to understand the importance that we have something to impart to the next generation. We said that men will never be able to understand or comprehend their purposes if they're blinded to the original purpose for man. What was the original purpose for man? Man's original purpose... Now listen, because this, this is important. We've been saying this every month. Man's original purpose was to cover his family, protect, and provide for them. Everyone say cover. cover. Everyone say protect. protect. Everyone say provide. provide. So these are three things. Cover means, you know, to take care of the needs of your kids. To protect them, provide for them. We also said the father is responsible for order in the home. It is the responsibility of the father to impart life and vision to his sons and daughters. The test, we said, of manhood is the ability to raise children to be an example, nurturing them to a place of maturity where they're not confused about their identities and purpose. Are there a lot of young people out there confused? Well, I was confused, but you can look at a young person today and you can see they're confused. Some of them even don't know if they're a man or a woman. They're confused. And you know, God loves confused people. I was confused at one point. And God is the ultimate Father. He's there to cover, protect, and provide, isn't he? Is he not? Well, we're to be the same way for our kids until they get to the point where they know what they're supposed to do. We said the test of manhood is the ability to raise children and be an example, nurturing them to a place of maturity where they're not confused about their identities and purposes. And I say that again, that is so important. We said a true man will be known by his character. When a man submits to the authority of God, he will be blessed. Amen. We also said manhood is something that is achieved first as revelation from God. It requires an impartation that must be nurtured and then affirmed. Manhood must be both taught and caught. You know, some of these statements are so good. Manhood is something that is achieved first as a re revelation from God. It requires an impartation that must be nurtured and then affirmed. Manhood must be both taught and caught. So there's some things that, that, that you can be taught, but you know there's some things that you can learn just by being around somebody. 
you pick up on some things. We said a father must not only provide the necessities of life for his family, and a, and a lot of you're sitting here today, maybe your parents weren't good about taking you aside and teaching you and nurturing you and helping you discover your, your talents and everything, but did they take care of you? Did they put a roof over your head? Did they work jobs? You know, many of them worked, my father worked many, many hours in his business, but he provided for me. He took care of me. And thank God if you had that, then you had something. Amen? Now, I'm going to read to you. And this is the book that I've been using. It's a great book by Dr. Clarence Boyd. It's called Endangered Masculinity. And he says this, He says, following God's example, a mature man thinks differently. He anticipates the needs of his family and begins drafting plans to take care of them. A mature man must first realize there are needs beyond just the physical spheres of spheres of food and shelter. A mature man understands that the greatest needs of his family are spiritual. Now, I wasn't raised by parents that that thought, you know, the spiritual needs were priority. They went to church, but we didn't go every week. A mature man understands the greatest needs of his family are spiritual. He comprehends that he must play a major role in providing guidance and instruction for his family so they understand their identities and purposes in light of the will of God. He preferably discerns that he must provide instruction concerning finances. He must be the example in his own home of stewardship. In other words, men, you and I need to know how to handle our money. Stewardship is definitely not limited just to finances, but finances serve as the best test of one's stewardship because they represent sacrifice and priorities. God must be honored first. Now, my boys, how old is Caleb? He's 26 and Micah will soon be 21. How about that? Oh, boy. <laughs> I remember when I was 21. Do my boys tithe? Why do they tithe? Because Dad taught them to give God the first 10%. Do my boys give offerings? Yes, because Mom and Dad have sown offerings for 30 years of ministry, 30 plus years of ministry. So they've grown up in a home where they've seen mom and dad, and, and I'm, I'm thankful I got a woman that she's very good. In fact, I call her my banker. If I want something, I go to the wife. That doesn't mean I, I mean, I work and I provide, I do what I need to do, but she's very good at handling the money. Not only our personal finances, but the finances of this ministry. She is a German. I've said that before. She's a very conservative German. And you know, when we were young, we made mistakes. We all make mistakes with our money. But we learned early on to get out of debt. 
We learned early on to teach our kids how to, you know, God's heavenly banking system. Tithing, sowing, giving, and sowing alms. It's so important. God must be honored first. This is a strategic lesson that every father can share with his family. The responsibility is great because the father must cast the vision and the stewardship for his wife. She is the senior partner, and children will never experience success with their finances until both the husband and wife demonstrate the value of teamwork and a commitment to a greater vision. You know, last year, let's see, last year, yeah, been it be a year, we paid off our house. How many of you remember when you paid your home off? But see, my kids grew up, they understand we had a mortgage every month. You know, but it's a liberating thing when you pay off a mortgage. It gives you the opportunity. And what's my, you know, so we've got a, a more, we had a mortgage payment of $700. These young people today have a $1,500 mortgage payment. I don't know how they do it. They better do it with God yeah. if they're going to make the payment. But, to, you know, to pay off that mortgage payment. But what, what does the wife do now? I figure, I thought to myself, we got $750 extra a month. What can I do with it? She puts it away. Well, you know, with property taxes, my gosh, the property taxes are $2,000, and you live up on Snob Hill. That's where you live, isn't it? Fine. <laughs> it costs money. And she puts that money away. And I said, well, we need a new deck. She says, well, we'll get the new deck when we have the money saved. What is that? That's being a good steward. Does that mean, Pastor, you do whatever your wife says? Yes, it does. <laughs> because it benefits me. It benefits my family. And she's a good steward of finances. And the thing is, my oldest son, you know, has learned how to manage his finances. He married a gal that went to nursing school, Methodist. The automatic debt right there when, when they got married was over $70,000. Well, they're paying it off step by step by step because the oldest is, is, and even Kaylee, has come to Kathy for advice on money. It's important. He says, um, she's a senior partner and children will never experience success with their finances until both the husband and wife demonstrate the value of teamwork and a commitment to a greater vision. The inability of the husband and wife to walk in agreement concerning their finances is definitely one of the major reasons marriages are compromised. Today, that is one of the major reasons of uh, uh, the ruin of a marriage is, is not appropriating their money right not dealing with their money, getting into debt, okay? It says, the adult man must think differently. The father must see beyond the present moment. There are many needs that his family will have. Some of them may involve transportation. Others may be medical. The mature man must take into consideration the educational needs of his children and make preparation to provide for those needs. Years ago, we put money away into an account 
so it would make money for both Micah's education and Caleb's education. More importantly, he must impart to his own children the value of an education, the benefits of academic achievement. Now, I realize this man is, has his doctorate. Now, I'm going to say something, and you can throw stones at me, but let's not do it till after church. We'll go outside. Not every kid needs a four-year education. And I think you understand that. Not every kid needs... Uh, a bachelor's, not every kid needs a master's, not every kid certainly does need a doctorate. Do you know where this nation would be without men and women that work with their hands, that know the value of a dollar, know how to work hard? And that's the thing, we, we try to get our kids and we push our kids and we push our kids. And I'm not against education. Some kids are called to a four-year education, but a lot of them aren't, you know. Mike had just graduated from Northeast. Caleb went to Metro in Omaha, you know, for cabinet making. He's not doing it right now. So they did something. But it all entails working with your hands. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are people, and maybe even this author, that would say, hey, you need to have a four-year or plus education. And I'm saying you don't. But if you as a parent, early on, learn how your kids, how they're wired what they're good at, what they can do, and then kind of gently push them in that direction. We said that the mature man arrives at manhood when he comprehends he must have a vision and a plan. He must lead because he's responsible. Say, I'm responsible for my wife and my kids. He must lead because he's responsible and has accepted his responsibility as provider. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So who's supposed to do the training? Your neighbor? Your relatives? No, you and I are to train up our children. He says, Using the analogy of a train for a moment, picture a train with every car connected and running on the same track. The father's like the engine and is responsible to see that every car connected to him reaches the appointed destination. The father must lead by example because each car following him must travel the same path that he has gone. He must always be aware of his witness and responsibility represent his heavenly father to his family. There can be no shortcuts. If he finds himself derailed, all the other cars will follow. They will be affected by success or failure. Therefore, a mature man must be involved, engaged, and encouraging because he will be accountable for the mental and emotional lives of his family. Let me say that again. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? It says, a mature man must be involved engaged and encouraging because he will be accountable for the mental and emotional lives of his family. A real man thinks differently. Now, we're going to go on <coughs> and talk about purpose. But are you, are you getting, I don't know if you're getting anything, I hope you're getting the fact that you're responsible. I'm responsible. How many have ever made mistakes as a father? How many of you will probably make mistakes with the grandkids? <laughs> but you know what? If you make a mistake, just say, I blew it. 
Forgive yourself, forget about it, and move on. If you missed it with your kids, make up for it with the grandkids. Amen. How many of you know a family that, that, how can I say this, is screwed up because of dad, because of mom? They're, you know, they're out there, and we know people like that, but it doesn't have to be that way for a Christian and for a true believer. You know, you can learn, young fathers, you can learn from the mistakes of your fathers. You don't need to, you know, father like maybe you were fathered or you were not fathered, but find out what the book says. He's the ultimate heavenly father. Find out what God's plan and purpose is for your life. Find out what God's plan and purpose is for your kids. Don't try to force your calling on your kid. My boys, more than likely, I won't say it for sure, but I've said this before, aren't going to be pastors. They're not very pastoral. But they have a call and they have a purpose. If they could serve a man of God, if they could serve a pastor... I was, I was so proud of Caleb at, at Kearney where they go to church. You know, she works weekends. She's a nurse, so she can't always go to church, but he'll go by himself. And Caleb's kind of quiet, he, he, but he's very discerning and he, he can read people real well. And um, I'm sure people wondered what those, that kid with the tattoos were, you know. Of course, his are probably, his is on the back. But what, what, who is that kid, you know, with the long hair and the beard and the whole thing? Thank God he doesn't have earrings anymore. But he went on his own when they, when they were calling for help to cement the driveway. Pour cement. Nobody had to make him do it. He did it on his own. Because he understands how many years growing up as a kid, his father would ask for men in the church to do something, and some would do it and some wouldn't. And he understands the importance of serving the church, serving the pastor. No, he's not behind the pulpit, but you know, it's as important out there doing cement work. If you don't have a decent driveway, new people come to church and it's, you know, it's broken or it's cracked, it makes a statement. So I'm proud of him, proud of him for the fact that he did that. I didn't have to say, call him and Caleb, I said, and tell him, you need to volunteer wherever you can. You know, the thing is, <clears throat> you don't tell my wife what to do, and you don't tell my boys what to do, because my boys are like the wife. Very strong, very opinionated, you know, read people, and they have compassion, but they're kind of no-nonsense. Now, only purpose, and this is important, purpose is revealed by God above. If you don't know what you're going to do... How many of you remember when you are young, you didn't know what you wanted to do with your life? Let me see your hands. How many of you... <clears throat> how long was it, Ron, till you discovered your call was to be a lawyer? Did it take a few years? Oh, yeah. That did. It took probably 26. <laughs> 26. All right. 
And how long have you been a lawyer? A long time. 42 years. 42 years. How, who else? Did you know what you want to do in life? I still don't. <laughs> Amen. Amen there. You know what? God will bless you because you're honest. <laughs> you've been a good provider and you've been a good father. Amen. Amen. And some of us, that's what we're called to do. We're not all called to be flashy people, okay? Out, out in front and up in the spotlight. It takes all kinds of people. Amen? Amen. How many of you, you know, who else? Did you know what you were called to do? I mean, you're a worship leader, you're a DJ, a radio. How many years was it till you really felt like you were in the groove? And you're 47 now? No, I was halfway through college, and I didn't know what I wanted to do as a profession. I knew I wanted to go to school, and I wanted to get a degree, but I didn't know. It took a while. It took, yeah, I was halfway through college before I figured out broadcasting. Did your folks kind of encourage you? Um, they did, but they never, like you said with your boys. Didn't they never, push. They never pressured me to be a minister well, or good. they never pushed me towards ministry. Okay. Even as a worship leader, they never... They didn't say, Abe, you're going to be a worship leader. No. See, that's a good man and woman. And if you're a parent and you're forcing yourself on your kids, that's just going to push them away. Amen? So some of us, you know, it takes a while to find out what we're called to be. I didn't find out I was called to be a pastor until probably um, 25, 26 years old. But, you know... You need to cry out to God because He's the one that has the plan for your life. You can go to school and look to man for advice. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, God has a plan and purpose for your life. Only purpose is revealed by our Creator. Men can only comprehend their identities and purposes from their Creator. When men operate in their God-given purposes, their identities are secure. However, when men abandon their created purposes, their identities are compromised. So if you get away from seeking God and crying out to God and asking God what to do, you're going to end up in a ditch. You're going to end up... And the sad thing is, <coughs> there are a lot of people out there go their whole life and never really understand God's plan and purpose. Cemeteries are full of people that never understood their plan and purpose. And you know, some of us, it's not a big, you know, burning bush experience like Moses had in, in the desert. But if you and I will just seek God, Amen? You know, I'll pick on Nutter. I'm not going to ask him to talk because he won't shut up. But, you know, Larry's got a colorful background. He was a deputy sheriff and, and good with the horses. But I'll say this, and I say this from my heart because, you know, he was divorced. You don't mind me saying that. You were divorced. No. Seven, was it? Once. <clears throat> Ellen was in a relationship where her husband was a horse's patoot. What? What did he say? <laughs> it wasn't good? No, it wasn't. It wasn't good. No. But what I'm saying is, Larry, when did you marry? How old were you when you married Ellen? 
How long have you been married, Larry? 20 years. 20 years. I'll say this, and I say this, and I, I believe it's God. 20 years ago, you fulfilled a plan and a purpose that God had for you. 20 years ago, she fulfilled a plan and a purpose. Those two were meant to be together. And he's taken care of a woman that was, was abused early on in their marriage. He's been a good husband, been a good provider. So don't just think plan and purpose as far as a career. You know, you, there's a plan and purpose, different purposes for your life. You know, some of us are fortunate we can get to the right job, the right career path. That's a God thing. But bottom line, guys, if you don't know what your pur- purpose is in life, where do you go? Where do you run? You run to God the Father and you seek Him and find out. Listen, when I was a young man, like I told you, I woke up. My, I, was, I was a mess that morning. And my dad was dead in bed. And I go in the bedroom, he's dead. Do you know what a shocker that is? And I... And, and when that happened, from that point on, I got serious about discovering God's plan and purpose for my life. And you know what? I found it. But you know what? you know how many hours I spent on my knees praying and crying out to God and asking God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go? And I wasn't even thinking about get married that's the last thing on my mind was a woman but yet God brought her into my life because it was part of his plan and purpose amen fatherhood is a priority with God he serves as the example to every earthly father of what true fatherhood really looks like. The importance of purpose. Now listen, God does not create anything without a purpose. Now this is why purpose is important. Purpose is vital because it provides direction. Purpose addresses the question, why? God desires to nurture His children until they understand their callings or purposes in life. God desires to nurture His children until they understand their callings or purposes in life. And fathers here today and grandfathers, listen to me. Observe your kids. Observe your grandkids. Ask God to reveal to you how they're wired. What are their personalities like? What are their interests? What are their hobbies? What kind of people do they like to hang around? I looked up this word, and we know what it means ultimately, but I want to give you the definition of this word. Nurture. Nurture, according to the dictionary, means this. It's the act our process of raising or promoting the development of training, educating, fostering. Let me say it again. Nurturing means this. It's the act or process of raising or promoting the development of to train, to educate, or to foster. A father must provide training, education, 
and life skills that promotes growth and awareness of purpose. Now, how many of you got kids, little kids? Kids on the way? <laughs> See, if you get wrong with one, you just have another one till you get it right. We need to ask God, what's the purpose? What, what have you put in my child? What is, what is his or her gifts and callings? Holy Spirit, reveal to me things about my kids that I can help them, that I can be an encouragement to them. Now listen, I was not raised, and probably you were not raised, by fathers that took the time. Yes, they provided. Yes, they protected you. But nurturing means to, to train, to educate, to take a side, to father like a mother hen and her chicks. I was not raised that way. How many of you were raised with a parent that just was a real teacher? Now, Kathy was. She had a mother that was a nurturer. In other words, they made it their, their it was their goal and their intent to, to nurture you. And, and like I said, many of us didn't have parents that nurtured us. Good parents. You better say you got a good parent there. Papa's sitting next to you. He's a good parent. He's here today. He's a good father. But, you know, some of us didn't have that luxury. We didn't have parents that took the time. But, but how many of you did your parent provide for you? Protected you? Gave you a roof over your head? You know, I had that. The thing is, I want you to see is, as fathers, as grandfathers, that we need, we need to go a step farther than that and get a little deeper with, with this. Now, my parents, they weren't really nurturers. They, they were the greatest generation. My dad was in World War II. And uh, there were some things about him. I mean, he was, he was a wonderful father. And not so much a, a teacher. He helped me in, in areas of music. He was a very good mus musician, and he was an excellent golfer. He did his best to help me, but I really wasn't very teachable when it come to golf. I just threw the clubs. But my parents nurtured me by example. What do I mean? I watched them as a young person. Don't, don't kid yourself. Your kids and your grandkids are watching you. They're listening to you. They nurtured me by example. How did they nurture me by example? I will grow up, I've grown up, I'm 60 years old, and when I think of my father, I think of his work ethic. My father worked day and night. He was a businessman, and he was an honest businessman. He operated his business with integrity. I'm telling you things that I learned that later on in life, maybe I didn't know it back then as a kid, but I know it now. What I learned from my father, my natural father, that has been instrumental in my life and as a pastor, is the way he treated people. 
And I'm telling you, my father in, in his business, don't get offended if I give you these two categories, okay? Railroaders and farmers. We, we dealt, my father's business depended on, you know, he had a shoe and boot business. He depended on the farmer for work boots. He depended on the railroader for work boots. And then, you know, have all the other categories of people that would come into my father's business. And my father always greeted them with a smile. Back then, they shook hands. Remember that? <laughs> Shaking hands. You know, kids today can't shake your hand because their freaking phone is in their hand. And what, my son's one of them. All the time. Go down the street. How many of you go down the road and see phones in people's, young people's hands? That, that's gotten to be a disease. But his work ethic, his respect for people, his salesmanship, his generosity... My father would put up with little old ladies that come in his store that were just, I won't even tell you what they were. They were nasty people. And my dad, he'd always tell me, Mike, you know, you got you to greet them with a smile. You got to thank them for their business. But he had compassion for all kinds of people. And the other thing I learned from my father was his love and his care for not only his immediate family, but his extended family. In other words, my dad, I can remember years, remember years ago as kids, some of you don't, Sunday was a time to go visit the relatives. You know, and some of us don't have relatives we care to visit, but back then we did. And we take the time, my father would always take the time to look in on an elderly aunt or, or whatever. I learned these things from him. And so maybe you, maybe me, we weren't raised by parents that really took the time, uh, took us aside to teach us and train us, but we learn by watching. We learn by listening. And I can tell you today, I am not a perfect man. I'm far from it. But I thank God for parents that, that put something in me that's stuck. How many of you can think of something, a, par a good parent? Give me some things, your parent, and maybe your folks are gone, but what is one thing that stands out about, about your father? You don't, have, you don't have to, but what, give me, I don't want a long dissertation, but what, what did you learn? You better be careful because your old man's here. What have you learned? I don't know if it's good or not. My way is the highway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be that way. But you know what? That, that means you're not wishy-washy. Yeah. You have an opinion. And, and uh, you learn to stand up for what you believe is right. That's a good thing. What else? What else did you learn? People skills, business skills. Yeah, you see you were raised like me. Your dad was in business. How to treat people. And you know what you're good at? Your people skills. So your dad's gone, but he put something in you. Was he a perfect man? No. Was he a godly man? No. But he put something in you. Anybody else? Can you remember anything? You're, you're older. Uh, uh, <laughs> obeying was important, and uh, uh, he had a great work ethic, and that was the example yeah. that he passed on to all of us. 
but yeah. it, he, he had a good work ethic. Work? Isn't that some? How many of you learned how to work just by watching your dad? Okay, anybody else want to say something nice about their dad? You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my dad had integrity. Yeah. So, but he worked hard work ethic. Hard work ethic. Yeah. So, see, the thing is, you know, maybe there's some things about our our earthly fathers we're not proud of. We didn't get anything from. But I'm encouraging you to think about some good things. And it doesn't always have to be dad. It can be mom too. My parents taught me those things. I have was blessed to have a mentor that that taught me about the antique business and he was the opposite of a godly man he was a world war ii officer that was a purple heart that was shot and and almost died and he got to the to the river and got in the river so the cold water would slow the bleeding of the wound down I and mean, this guy was the real deal and he was a he if you think of general Patton, he was a general Patton. and he'd tell me blankety blank blank gardener blankety blank blank gardener do this do this do that but I learned so many things from that. See, the thing is, you know, you don't need to be afraid of the world. Your boss might not be a Christian. He might not be a believer. But you know, you might learn something from him if you'll shut up and listen. God can, if God can speak through a mule, as he did in the Old Testament, he can speak through anybody. But you have to be teachable. You have to want to learn. And this gentleman that helped me, I wanted to learn and he taught me. Then I had spiritual fathers. I've had many people in my life through the years that have been a blessing to Kathy and I that provided encouragement. All these mentors helped me discover my calling and purpose in life. How to be a parent. How to be a pastor. How to be in business so important. The father's heart is to cover his own. Now, I, I want if you don't leave with anything, leave with this today. The father's heart is to cover his own. His own what? His own children? His own grandchildren. Till they discover their giftings and become p- committed to maximizing their potential. So guys... Just do what you can to be a blessing. Take those grandkids and love them and play with them. And whatever your hobby is, whatever you like to do, let them get around you when you're doing it. Let them discover there's more to life. There's other things that you can have a passion for. Don't be ashamed of that. If you if you, if you got things that you like to do and... Maybe you like to work with your hands. Maybe you like to create. Maybe you like to build. You know, my kids growing up, they come home and there's always something in the garage I'm working on. So they're growing up thinking, they're, you know, when I'm dead and gone, they're going to remember their old man wasn't lazy. He didn't depend upon the church to provide a, the whole salary for his existence or for his family. He did something else. You know, guys, I say this too, and, and I, I'm, I'm serious about, about it. I'm going to ask you a question, and you don't need to raise your hand. But are you passionate about anything? Are you passionate about anything? And if you don't have a passion, then you need to get a passion. 
Because that passion will get on your kids. But if you go through life and you just exist and you don't take time to, to get involved, my father, natural earthy father, I can remember him le leading us on hikes, the whole kid. It was the whole neighborhood the kids followed my dad. I, I've told you this before. He taught me how to make a, a, a slingshot. Then I'd shoot out the windows. You know, he did things. He was engaged with his kids' life. But if all you do is work nine to five and you come home and you plant your butt in a chair and you watch TV and you don't do something with your kids, you will be held accountable. Now, I, I pick on Brian. Everybody, they pick on me, Brian. My kids, they pick on you. Yeah. But this man, he's a taxidermist, works with his hands. Ground up, taught himself. And the thing about Brian, and I'll never, I'll always be grateful. He, he took Caleb and he took Micah, you know, take him on a hunt. Whether bow fishing was a big deal. Where's Caleb today? He's bow fishing. Where did he get that? Because a man who wasn't even his father made time to invest in that kid's life. Kenny, has he done anything with you? Sure. So, you know, is he perfect? Am I perfect? No. In fact, you remind us frequently how imperfect we are, and we, we get kind of tired of that. But I'm telling you, you get the point, guys. Get involved with your family. It's not too late. Say it's not too late. Men must pray, I'm almost done. Men must prayerfully seek the will of God concerning their wives and children. I'm going to leave a lot of this off today for the sake of time. Men must prayerfully seek the will of God concerning their wives and children. Both the husband and the wife must pursue one another's purposes and nurture each other's giftings so that each walks in his maturity. It's not a competition between you and your wife. When we were young, Kathy and I, I married an athlete, a very competitive individual, and she, we play racquetball at Oral Roberts University when she was teaching and I was going to school. And she, in fact, she taught it. And we'd go in there and play and she'd whoop me, Abe. And here I am at Oral Roberts University. I took that racket. I, was, I threw a lot. I threw things a lot. I threw that racket against the wall. I'm done playing racquetball with you. Now, I, I, is that a good example? No. But don't look at me like you have never been a jerk. I'm not answering what? What? Oh, yeah. That's where. Yeah, that's it. Just passes. It just keeps going down through one year after another, doesn't it? But you don't compete with your mate, your wife. She's there to complete you and to fulfill you and to help you and be thankful for your wife. If we didn't have the Vells and we didn't have the Cathys, you and I'd be in a whole lot of hurt. God didn't intend for us to, you know, so she beat me in racquetball. So I'd say, let's go run. I could run. And I'll never forget running with her. We were running around the college. 
And of course, I'm the man. I can run. And I'm running out ahead of her. And she's competitive. And I look back. This is, I'm serious. Tears were coming down her face. That's how mad she was. The fact that I was treating her like that. But I was the man. I was going to beat her at something. Now, what is that? That's a lack of character. It's a lack of immaturity. It's, a, it's insensitive. Not understanding the role, my role as a husband. What I should have done was to foster, do everything I can to help encourage her and be a blessing to her and help fulfill her calling and purpose. And it's taken me many years to be, get to that point. <laughs> Are you getting it? Are you guys getting anything? Am I saying anything that makes sense to you today? If we'll do that, if we'll nurture each other's giftings, your wife and your kids, it will produce a blessed relationship. And if you're, if you're blessed, your wife is blessed, your kids are blessed, your marriage is blessed, your home will be blessed. Amen? Last statement. Everything done in life is done in the context of relationships. The challenge for men in the context of relationships is to be led by truth. So guys, the only way you're going to find and discover your purpose in life is through the Bible, the truth. The only way you're going to help discover, you know, your, the calling upon your kids or their purpose in life is to spend time in prayer and to seek God and cry out to Him. Amen. You know, last thing, guys, it's not all about me. It's not all about you. First of all, it's about Him. It's about your mate, your spouse. It's about your kids. Amen. And yeah, the father, I gave you the analogy, the father needs to be in the engine. Sometimes dad needs to be the caboose. You're putting others first. Father, today we thank you for the truths that we've heard. And Lord, they've heard where I've missed it and I've made mistakes. They've missed it. They've made mistakes. But you're a God that forgives. You're a God that forgets. Help us to forgive ourselves and to forget our own past failures and mistakes as husbands and fathers and help us Holy Spirit strengthen us in the inner man so that we can be a father that, that produces another generation of believers that know who they are and what they're called to do in Jesus name. Amen. So don't leave here feeling bad about yourself. Just leave here and say, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better dad, a better husband. Amen? Amen. Thank you.